When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chapter 11 Lady Mountberry, Miss Agnes was writing a letter when the servant astonished her by announcing the visitor's name. Her first impulse was to refuse to see the woman who had intruded on her, but Lady Mountberry had taken care to follow close on the servant's heels. Before Agnes could speak, she had entered the room. "'I beg to apologize for my intrusion, Miss Lockwood,' "'I have a question to ask you, in which I am very much interested. "'No one can answer me but yourself.' "'In low, hesitating tones, with her glittering black eyes bent modestly on the ground, "'Lady Mountberry opened the interview in those words. "'Without answering, Agnes pointed to a chair. "'She could do this, and for the time she could do no more. "'All that she had read of the hidden and sinister life in the palace at Venice— all that she had heard of Mount Barry's melancholy death and burial in a foreign land, all that she knew of the mystery of Ferrari's disappearance, rushed into her mind when the black-robed figure confronted her, standing just inside the door. The strange conduct of Lady Mount Barry added a new perplexity to the doubts and misgivings that troubled her. There stood the adventuress whose character had left its mark on society all over Europe, the fury who had terrified Mrs. Ferrari at the hotel, inconceivably transformed into a timid, shrinking woman. Lady Mountberry had not once ventured to look at Agnes since she had made her way into the room. Advancing to take the chair that had been pointed out to her, she hesitated, put her hand on the rail to support herself, and still remained standing. "'Please give me a moment to compose myself,' she said faintly. Her head sank on her bosom. She stood before Agnes like a conscious culprit before a merciless judge. The silence that followed was, literally, the silence of fear on both sides. In the midst of it, the door was opened once more, and Henry Westwick appeared. He looked at Lady Mountberry with a moment's steady attention, bowed to her with formal politeness, and passed on in silence. At the sight of her husband's brother, the sinking spirit of the woman sprang to life again. Her drooping figure became erect. Her eyes met with Westwick's look, brightly defiant. She returned his bow with an icy smile of contempt. Henry crossed the room to Agnes. "'Is Lady Mountberry here by your invitation?' he asked quietly. "'No. Do you wish to see her? "'It is very painful to me to see her.' He turned and looked at his sister-in-law. "'Do you hear that?' he asked coldly. "'I hear it,' she answered, more coldly still. "'Your visit is, to say the least of it, ill-timed. "'Your interference is, to say the least of it, out of place.' With that retort, Lady Mountberry approached Agnes. The presence of Henry Westwick seemed at once to relieve and embolden her. "'Permit me to ask my question, Miss Lockwood.' she said with graceful courtesy. It is nothing to embarrass you. 
when the courier Ferrari applied to my late husband for employment, did you... Her resolution failed her before she could say more. She sank, trembling into the nearest chair, and, after a moment's struggle, composed herself again. Did you permit Ferrari, she resumed, to make sure of being chosen for our courier by using your name? Agnes did not reply with her customary directness. Trifling as it was, the reference to Mount Barry, proceeding from that woman of all others, confused and agitated her. "'I have known Ferrari's wife for many years,' she began, "'and I take an interest.' "'Lady Mountberry abruptly lifted her hands "'with a gesture of entreaty. "'Ah, Miss Lockwood, don't waste time by talking of his wife. "'Answer my plain question plainly.' "'Let me answer her,' Henry whispered. "'I will undertake to speak plainly enough.' "'Agnes refused by a gesture. "'Lady Mountberry's interruption had roused her sense "'of what was due to herself.' She resumed her reply in plainer terms. "'When Ferrari wrote to the late Lord Mountberry,' she said, "'he did certainly mention my name.' Even now she had innocently failed to see the object which her visitor had in view. Lady Mountberry's impatience became ungovernable. She started to her feet and advanced to Agnes. "'Was it with your knowledge and permission that Ferrari used your name?' she asked." "'The whole soul of my question is in that. "'For God's sake, answer me, yes or no?' "'Yes.' "'That one word struck Lady Mountberry as a blow might have struck her. "'The fierce life that had animated her face the instant before "'faded out of it suddenly "'and left her like a woman turned to stone. "'She stood mechanically confronting Agnes "'with a stillness so rapt and perfect that not even the breath she drew was perceptible to the two persons who were looking at her. Henry spoke to her roughly. "'Rouse yourself,' he said. "'You have received your answer.' She looked round at him. "'I have received my sentence,' she rejoined, and turned slowly to leave the room. To Henry's astonishment, Agnes stopped her. "'Wait a moment, Lady Mountberry. "'I have something to ask on my side.' "'You have spoken of Ferrari. "'I wish to speak of him, too.' "'Lady Mountberry bent her head in silence. "'Her hand trembled as she took out her handkerchief "'and passed it over her forehead. "'Agnes detected the trembling and shrank back a step. "'Is the subject painful to you?' she asked timidly. "'Still silent, Lady Mountberry invited her "'by a wave of the hand to go on. "'Henry approached,' "'attentively watching his sister-in-law. "'Agnes went on. "'No trace of Ferrari has been discovered in England,' she said. "'Have you any news of him? "'And will you tell me, if you have heard anything, "'in mercy to his wife?' "'Lady Mountberry's thin lips suddenly relaxed "'into their sad and cruel smile. "'Why do you ask me about the lost courier?' she said. "'You will know what has become of him, Miss Lockwood, "'when the time is ripe for it. Agnes started. "'I don't understand you,' she said. "'How shall I know? "'Will someone tell me?' "'Someone will tell you.' "'Henry could keep silence no longer. "'Perhaps your ladyship may be the person,' "'he interrupted with ironical politeness. "'She answered him with contemptuous ease. "'You may be right, Mr. Westwick, 
One day or another, I may be the person who tells Miss Lockwood what has become of Ferrari, if... She stopped, with her eyes fixed on Agnes. If what? Henry asked. If Miss Lockwood forces me to it. Agnes listened in astonishment. Force you to it, she repeated. How can I do that? Do you mean to say my will is stronger than yours? Do you mean to say that the candle doesn't burn the moth when the moth flies into it? Lady Mountberry rejoined. Have you ever heard of such a thing as the fascination of terror? I am drawn to you by a fascination of terror. I have no right to visit you. I have no wish to visit you. You are my enemy. For the first time in my life, against my own will, I submit to my enemy. See? I am waiting because you told me to wait, and the fear of you, I swear it, creeps through me while I stand here. Oh, don't let me excite your curiosity or your pity. Follow the example of Mr. Westwick. Be hard and brutal and unforgiving, like him. Grant me my release. Tell me to go. The frank and simple nature of Agnes could discover but one intelligible meaning in this strange outbreak. "'You are mistaken in thinking me your enemy,' she said. "'The wrong you did me when you gave your hand to Lord Mountberry "'was not intentionally done. "'I forgave you my sufferings in his lifetime. "'I forgive you even more freely now that he is gone.' "'Henry heard her with mingled emotions of admiration and distress. "'Say no more,' he exclaimed. "'You are too good for her. "'She is not worthy of it.' The interruption passed unheeded by Lady Mountberry. The simple words in which Agnes had replied seemed to have absorbed the whole attention of this strangely changeable woman. As she listened, her face settled slowly into an expression of hard and tearless sorrow. There was a marked change in her voice when she spoke next. It expressed that last worst resignation which has done with hope. "'You good, innocent creature,' she said. "'What does your amiable forgiveness matter? "'What are your poor little wrongs "'in the reckoning for greater wrongs "'which is demanded of me? "'I am not trying to frighten you. "'I am only miserable about myself. "'Do you know what it is "'to have a firm presentiment of calamity "'that is coming to you, "'and yet to hope that your own positive conviction "'will not prove true?' When I first met you before my marriage and first felt your influence over me, I had that hope. It was a starveling sort of hope that lived a lingering life in me until today. You struck it dead when you answered my question about Ferrari. How have I destroyed your hopes? Agnes asked. What connection is there between my permitting Ferrari to use my name to Lord Mountberry and the strange and dreadful things you are saying to me now? The time is near, Miss Lockwood, when you will discover that for yourself. In the meanwhile, you shall know what my fear of you is, in the plainest words I can find. On the day when I took your hero from you and blighted your life, I am firmly persuaded of it. You were made the instrument of the retribution that my sins of many years had deserved. Oh, such things have happened before today. One person has, before now, been the means of innocently ripening the growth of evil in another. You have done that already, and you have more to do yet. You have still to bring me to the day of discovery, and to the punishment that is my doom. We shall meet again, 
here in England, or there in Venice, where my husband died, and meet for the last time. In spite of her better sense, in spite of her natural superiority to superstitions of all kinds, Agnes was impressed by the terrible earnestness with which those words were spoken. She turned pale as she looked at Henry. "'Do you understand her?' she asked. "'Nothing is easier than to understand her,' he replied contemptuously. "'She knows what has become of Ferrari, "'and she is confusing you in a cloud of nonsense "'because she daren't own the truth. "'Let her go.' "'If a dog had been under one of the chairs and had barked, "'Lady Mountberry could not have proceeded more impenetrably "'with the last words she had to say to Agnes. "'Advise your interesting Mrs. Ferrari to wait a little longer,' she said. "'You will know what has become of her husband, and you will tell her. "'There will be nothing to alarm you. "'Some trifling event will bring us together the next time. "'As trifling, I dare say, as the engagement of Ferrari. "'Sad nonsense, Mr. Westwick, is it not? "'But you make allowances for women. "'We all talk nonsense. "'Good morning, Miss Lockwood.' "'She opened the door, suddenly, "'as if she was afraid of being called back for the second time.' and left them. Phoebe Reads a Mystery is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC.